You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. Right, mate, so does, was there anyone in particular that took you under the wing when you were coming through, considering you were raw and that was so anyone show your ropes or the little intricacies or anything? Um, well, every, everyone was really good. Yeah. Everyone was like really, really good with me. Um, do you know who's probably sticks out? Stu, you know, Stu Fielding. We had like, we had a really good relationship. He, he sat opposite me in the changing rooms and um, he, uh, he just, he, he, he was not, he's a bit strange, but like in a good, in a really good way. Like he, um, depends if he's had his coffee or not. Like, <laughs> honest, he was, because he used to travel, he used to travel in. I think he's like, yeah. Or something like that, but he was like massive, rock hard, um, like just like his body was just fucking solid, and like I was tiny and all that. Anyway, he just used to like do extras with me all the time because I was that far off trying yeah. to, trying to be like um, physical with someone like him. But he was like he like he was brilliant, and he was like a really good professional. So, right. um, but I mean, at the time when I really like I debuted in two thousand and eight. But um, my, I only really sort of came into first team in 2010 and he, he, Michael Maguire started that year and he completely changed the culture. So it was one of them where it, the only player we signed that year, I think, was Paul Deakin. Yeah. And the year before we finished, I think, mid-table, seven, signed Deakin. He just changed the culture and then we ended up winning, uh, winning the grand final that year. So everybody bought in to what he was, uh, what he was pushing. Um, so really, no, nobody was, you know, cutting corners or taking shortcuts. Everyone just wanted the best for each other. Yeah, because you you get told all that through the club, don't you? But obviously, things happen that make teams come closer. Scraps, nights out, tours, whatever, cup runs. But to to hear it from the players when you say everybody ball thing, because there's some superstars in that squad, mate, want there and. And that's great for someone like you to look up to, isn't it? But to see how they go about the daily business, mate, it, it, there's nothing better to support us. Yeah, I know. It was um, it was it was such a good time. Um, it was just such a good time to be there. Like he, I, I learned so I learned so much about the game just just from him. But I think everybody did at the time. I think it was a it was a group of players who were like really good on their own. Um, but they were underachieving. And I think the reason for that is that I don't think Nobby could control any of the big personalities, really, or, yeah. or more senior players. Where Mike McGuire, he didn't care. It wasn't was bothered if you were Stu Fielding or Sean O'Loughlin or me in first year or whatever. So, yeah. Um, and he caught, he caught people out all the time. Um, and I just, I think it helped, it kept people honest. Yeah. No, good stuff, mate. So, how, how did you find that year going into a grand final, mate? Is, and it, the biggest arena of all, really. I'm a United fan, so I couldn't imagine a lot better than on Old Trafford. But what's that journey like for a young lad? Yeah, do you know what? It was like that first year was. I ended up going on, ended up going on loan to Cass. Yeah. I think I, what did I, what happened? Blackpool and Cass, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I done. Yeah. I done a, one game at Blackpool. That's all oh, right. Fair like, enough. With, yeah. Walker before, so yeah. But it was still. I enjoyed that. It was good. Yeah. Um, just before we move on from that, sorry, mate, how did you treat alone? Was it alone? Did you see it as an opportunity or was it a bit of a kick in the face for you? Oh, no, 100 the, the cast one. The, the Blackpool one at the time, it was just, 
I think it was either I can't the, the reserve structure changes year on year, don't it? So yeah. But it was just an opportunity to play, and it was better than playing reserves. I think so. Okay. Um, and it was just playing it playing against men. So that that's the the difficulty is with rugby in it now, especially at the time. You've got such a big jump from your Stu Fieldens to to a nineteen year old kid and yeah. you know I mean, playing against. Yeah. So like, that's the trouble with rugby. It's like in football, it's not as it's not physical, so it don't matter like about yeah. the physical side of things. But like trying to tackle a block as big as some of the, some of the blocks are now, that that was the thing. So yeah, so the Blackpool one was that the the loan to Cass, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I didn't think it was a, a a backward step at all. In fact, it was it was really good for me, and it was good in the sense that I obviously got to play Super League. I think it was on about ten games, nine games, something like that. Yeah, there was like a little. There was a Wigan bus who travelled over. Stu Jones, um, Sean Ainscore, Mike Cooper. He was on loan. You know, he's obviously killed it since. Yeah. Um, uh, ben Davis, a front rower from from Lee. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a really good player, and then just sort of fell off a little bit. But yeah, we used to travel over, and it was it was brilliant, mate. I, I learned I learned loads of stuff, and one of the, one of the things to take up the biggest takeaway was the difference in uh, setup from Cast to Wigan, and how spoiled lads at Wigan are with facilities and uh, and things around them. So, I mean, the first day at training, I didn't take a water bottle, and like they just bring their own water. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah. All I knew was you turn up, you, you get told w- what to eat and when to eat. You've, your food's in front of you, and your clothes are pressed and put back on your peg. Proper spoiled brat. Yeah. And gone to, gone to Cass, and like, obviously it's very different, but it, not not in a worse way. It was just, it was great. It was fantastic. Right, and and do you remember much from on the field on the Cass spell, mate? Was there a, a moment where? Was that where you maybe thought, yeah, I'd be long here now? Yeah, I'd, I'd have definitely, I'd have definitely, if, if it had not worked out at Wigan, I'd have enjoyed a spell at Cass. Um, yeah. It was under Terry Matterson, he was the coach at the time. Um, yeah, I think we played in, I think we played Magic Weekend in Edinburgh that year. Right. The stadium there called. Uh, Murrayfield. Yeah, Murrayfield. I think yeah. it was Murrayfield that year. And it was just like it was just it was just good to be around a different group of lads and a different setup and um, and all that. But yeah, on like on the field, yeah. I mean, Rangi Chase was playing, so that was yeah. That was, Can't get on your toes. Yeah, because like he was. What did I read? Who was talking about him? Oh, uh, Ryan Hudson. I don't know if you remember him. Was the yeah hook. the hooker. Yeah, he put a post on LinkedIn yesterday and he was he, he referenced um Rangi and he was saying like how good he was to play with but how hard he was to play with and that's exactly it. Like you're trying to run a line as a back rower or if you're playing on his side. And it's so hard because he's like you just skip over and he wouldn't know what he was doing. But Yeah. No, Venny Mercurial's played what he's saying really, mate, wasn't he? And you just had to react, I suppose. He it was something on his day though, he was something else then. He was, mate. He was. Well, so not long after that, mate, there's a Challenge Cup run, isn't there? And and you just win at Wembley. So how was the build up to a final like that at another big arena for you as well at Wembley? And you're still a young lad at this point. Yeah. Well, the um, funny. Well, I don't. Yeah. This is that 2010. I ended up going. Ended up going along to and I played against Casper Wigan. 
Yeah. And I went the week after I went on loan to Cass for ten weeks or whatever it was. Good job you didn't bash anyone up, mate, innit? Well, so this is the story, right? So then I so I've come back, I've done ten weeks at Cass and then I've come back and played against Cass again at Wigan. <sighs> and one of the lads who travelled was a, a, a lad called Ryan Clayton Gomez. Yeah. That's where he's from. He's part, I think he's at Oldham Way somewhere. Like right. He was a good lad. Anyway, I've I've scored four Wigan against Cass. Yeah. And playing front row. And he's come out the line off kick off. They've kicked off to me. Um and they've he's come out the line to try and to try and bash me off kick off and got yeah. it, he's got it completely wrong. And he's put his head he's put his he's tried to tackle me with the wrong shoulder, put his head across my body and I've ended up hitting him with my forehead in his cheek and he sliced his cheek completely open. Um, you know, like a Chelsea smart. Yeah. Like just because he was trying <laughs> he was trying to bash me, but yeah, that um the re- the rest of that year was was pretty good and the, um, well I was kind of, it was a bit of frustrating at the end I didn't get to play in the grand final yeah I think it got dropped in the last playoff I think for Fekker and then Fekker played so it was really sort of like that was that was a tough one to take because as well we obviously went on to win a few other trophies in in years after yeah. that but nothing had been won for a long time at Wigan. So that was like it was such a special time at the club, um, and just to miss out on it, it was a bit, it was, it was heartbreaking, really. But you know, I'm not blaming anyone. In fairness, probably didn't do enough to to get a shot. Yeah, you don't, you don't see it like that in the heat of the moment, though, mate. Do you? You're fully, you're fully immersed in what's going on, aren't you? And, yeah. Yeah. So, come on, sorry, mate. Yeah. So no, I mean, like the rest, the rest of the. Like it was just a, it was just a great time. Like we were, we were flying, and like I said, like I mentioned earlier, like that the structure that Madge brought in, it we were just red hot. Like nobody could touch us. Like we had this block to block structure, and if we if we played if we played short, if sorry if they tried to defend tight, we'd beat them on the outside by pass pass pass. Right yeah. Back. And if they tried to defend the shot out the back, we'd just hit short and go through. And that was it was just sim- it was as simple as that. We obviously had different players, but yeah, it just it was worked. So new, it was so new to everyone else. But like, yeah, we just come up with like we had this real good structure. You'd run a lead line with Sam out the back, um, and then you just continue your run. Sam would go through and pass back inside. And the amount of tries that Liam Farrell scored or I scored back on the inside off that player, um, yeah, it was just like it just worked all the time. So it was like it was just a, it was a really good time to be there. Um, and then yeah, we ended up just like winning a lot of things and getting to go loads of good places, loads of pre-season trips to uh, Orlando and off the back of like wins, you know. And yeah, you know, Ian Lennigan just chucking a lot of money at, at us. So it was like you know, they go to army camps now in in Yorkshire. I've seen that. Yeah, it looked horrible. <laughs> 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 so you took Sonic yourself, though, mate. Considering. Earlier on, I think you might have been a bit harsh on yourself about speaking about how raw you've been. But your game obviously developed because you're talking about tracking on the inside when you've been a lead runner. And so did that just come naturally to you or did did, did Mads grab you and say, right, hug hug this this outer third sort of thing and anything come through, flood through flood through with it? How how did that come into your game? Do you know what we like, I I was never I was never like a like a good player, but I was just, I think I was very good at a tiny part of the game, which was running lead lines. Um, 
so at the time, like I've just mentioned, we had that block to block. If I run this hard lead line, I get the defender to bite on me, which made loads of room outside for Sam. If he didn't score, he'd pass to George or he'd pass to Paddy. Yeah. And, then, and then they'd score. And and that was it. So I was like really good at that. So in video, <laughs> like it looked really good. Do you know what I mean? We watched yeah, the yeah. and be like, look at that lead line, brilliant, blah, blah. And then I worked really hard in defence, doing all like little things like pinning the knees and third man and all that kind of stuff, which ended up not really being noticed by anybody outside of our environment, but yeah. in, internally it was um, it was it was noticed, and I was I was part of the team, so it was, I would only ever really do I don't know twenty or thirty minutes off the bench, but that was my job, yeah. Um, and I knew it was my job, and I did it well, um, and and that was that, and I think. It, Sometimes you need to, if you can understand yourself in that in that instance, then you go a long way. Like I was never as skillful as Liam Farrell, but I offered right. I offered something else. So the, the three lads in front of me was Liam Farrell, Sean Lockley, and Harrison Anthony, who all played international. Yeah. Um. So like nothing. There was not. There was nothing. Uh, sort of. I don't know. Um, stopping my competitive edge as such but like I understood that like I offered something different to what they did and I just tried to sort of focus on that really yeah and you accepted the role that you were given instead of bratting out sort of thing didn't you and, mm. yeah. 100%. and um, I think I think you're a great example as well as like no kids are finished article mate are they so as much as someone might get signed at 12 and 13 you're nowhere near the player you're going to be when you're 16, 17, 18, and then again when you're in your mid twenties, yeah, exactly. it just shows that you can be you can be signed later on and find your feet another way and and persevering really. Uh, well, there's more and more stories than that now, like like Wormsley and whoever else who've come through, you know, from from low leagues. Is that yeah. uh, Bullock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mate, who's at Salford, Aco, Chris Atkin, he's, he, that's how he's done it as well through like the student game and then Swinton come along and stuff. There, there are opportunities. It's just, again, and I appreciate in the semi pro game, sometimes it's not worth it for us to go and play Super League. You earn just as much money playing with the mates and being able to have a piss up and then go and work Monday to Friday, don't they? So yeah, yeah. it's just what suits me. So when when you left Wigan, mate, was it a mutual decision? Would you have stayed? How was that, and how was it left? So Wigan and my Wigan and my club um, loved them, supported them as I was growing up. But I was there for a few years, and the lads in front of me were the lads in front of me, and at the time they they were still there. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to. I was doing that twenty thirty minute spell off the bench, sometimes a bit longer, and then it got to two thousand thirteen. Which was my best year looking back on my career. I was yeah. like, Harrison Anton ended up getting injured, and I was playing on that right edge, starting every week, uh, scoring a few tries, getting a good run, my form was in, uh, improving. Um, and then it comes to signing again, and they offered me a deal, and it was it was more money, um, but at the time, like Harrison was staying, uh, Faz and Lockers were still there. Yeah, I was like, I was a bit like. I need to I need to kick on here if I'm going to do something. I don't just want to do that. So I ended up signing with Wakey, where I would have been a different player. Yeah. Um, I would have been seen in a different light and all that kind of stuff. And then they ended up going through real like trouble financially. And Rich Agar was the, the coach at the time, so I just ended up bringing him up and having an honest chat. And I said, "Listen, I've got I've got a missus and like, I've got to pay the bills and." 
that comes first. And he was such, he was such a good bloke. Yeah. Um, and he just said, listen, we could, to be fair, we could do, you know, if you come off the car. At the time, it was I wasn't on loads of money, but I was like one of would have been one of the highest earners. Yeah. Um, which wasn't a lot, by the way, compared to what <laughs> people get. And um, it, it, it ended up being really sound and, and let me come off the cap and um, and go and ended up signing for Hull. And later, I'd done some work in Australia with St. George on the software side and, and Rich was there and he invited me around to his house, went out for beers and stuff like that. So he's, he speaks he speaks a lot about him, like he's such a good fella. Yeah. But yeah, so Wigan, so Wigan offered me a deal. I then chose to go, and then and I just I said to Wayne um, and Rads, I just said like, you know, listen, I, I want to play, I want to play more, and and I just had an, an open conversation with them, and and they said they, they just openly said like, you know, you'd be behind these three players, which I knew, uh, yeah, and then that was that, and then Harrison ended up signing for Salford, I think he, I think he was, yeah, I think it was Salford, yeah, so and I've had him on, yeah, so I'd I'd have played. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's again hindsight, in it, Chris? It's, it's yeah. I mean, to be fair, Jack Jack Hughes was like sort of right behind me, and he yeah. better than me, so we'd have overtaken me anyway. So um, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I, I ended up I ended up meeting Lee Radford and signing with signing with Hull, which is obviously a huge club, and uh, and and that was that. But yeah, the yeah. Wigan, Wigan offered and. I turned them down. My dad's like a big Wigan fan, and uh, he was he was like disgusted in me. <laughs> At least he couldn't ground you, know, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, did, could you feel that Hull oh, were on the verge of doing what they were doing and really kicking off? Um, it felt a bit because Wigan were flying at the time. I, like they were, they were asking a lot of questions about, oh, what do we can do? What do we can do? Yeah. Lee Radford, Lee Radford is a, he's a good coach. He's very sort of like, um, he knows his, own, he knows his own mind. He knows which way he wants to go with that. Right. Um, but I could, no, could I sense it? No, not not at the time. There's too many sort of like, like shortcuts and like it was a bit of a shit, not a shit culture, but it was just like. Okay. Um, I don't know how to describe different. it. Different. It's just different to what you're used to in it. And you, you've seen the pinnacle, haven't you? Well, I'll give you an example, right? So, like, um, at Wigan, it was very much sort of like, know your place. If you're if you're first year, you're doing shakes, you're staying till everything's clean. You had to yeah. clean, you had to paint the toilets in your off-season. You had to go working with, uh, you know, manual companies in, in pre-season to understand and, and earn your stripes, really, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and then at Hull, you'd have like blokes who were like 16 giving shit to people like Richard Owen, who'd played 300 games. And, a bit crazy, you know, isn't it? And I just couldn't get my head around it. Maybe, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it, it was just a bit of that, in it? And uh, so, yeah, to your question, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really see it yeah. um, at the time, but obviously Lee Rafford did a good job and, and they ended up winning a few things, didn't they? Yeah. So how did you find... You spell it whole then, mate. Not even question and a half. Hour. So I, I went into pre-season. I just had a clean out on my elbow, so I yeah. couldn't really train for two weeks. Right. Just sort of ran around, no contact, and then got injured uh, the week after in a training drill. 
uh, ripped a disc out of my neck in a wrestling uh, drill. Lovely. Yeah. Um, so then I missed 11 weeks, including th- the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. Do you get what after Chris when something like that happens? Does it go cur and did he did he keep checking in on you and stuff? Well, I mean, it's you know when you hear about players getting homesick and stuff. And yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I can like it's bad, and I can sit, but I can sympathise. Like, I was in home. My missus in Manchester studying. Yeah. Um, and I was just, it was just a lonely place. Like the bit I mean about like the culture, like nobody did anything at Hull after training. Like it was the lads from West Yorkshire, Leeds way, and there was a bus of them. They went, training finished, went straight back. There was the Polynesian lads and the, the Aussies and they, they were very clicky. And then, uh, and then the lads from Hull, so no one really did anything. So it was like, it was a lonely period. Um, but yeah, so it, I mean, you do you do your rehab and all that kind of stuff, and the club was all right with me and let me go and spend a lot of time with my family and that. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, neck surgery, for a lot of time, the early stage, you can't do anything. Yeah. It's your neck. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I played again after 11 weeks, which is quite, you know, it was quite a short spell. Um, yeah, it is, yeah. So. Yeah, that, that baffles me, that, right? Like... So, right on the amateur scene, when like a couple of clubs will get like they'll have someone involved, i.e., a sponsor, that'll that'll backhand them a few quid, won't they? And they come for the money and go without being rude. That very much sounds how Hull used to be. Mm. Um, not obviously not putting words in your mouth. That's just how it how it seems to be, mate. So, when when the decision regarding retirement came around, mate, was it because? Again, you're a young lad when it happens. Is it something it's hard to accept, or do you acknowledge that it's the right decision and it's time to kick on with the next chapter? Yeah, no, I definitely didn't accept it. It was, um, so I was 26 the year before we'd won the double, um, and then it was like the June, so we'd, we'd won the double in October. I'd had the injury in, in, fe- in oh, in fact, it was December because I had surgery on Christmas Eve, yeah, and then it, I oh, good deal. And I ended up having to retire in, in July. So in the space of what was that, 10 months? Yeah. To, you know, I, I'd gone from that high to that low. And then it was so strange. I was So what happened with the injury, I've got a metal cage in my neck from the first training drill. Right. And the second one happened on the pitch, which gave me temporary paralysis. So what happened was my spinal cord... Um, the disc hit my spinal cord, which caused temporary paralysis. So I lost all feeling. And at the yeah. time, I don't know if you remember, there was a, there was a lad from uh, Australia who got put, he was paraplegic, Alex McKinnon. McKinnon, mate, yeah. And he got dropped on his head. So that was about six weeks or so, I think, from memory, before I done mine. And I've been knocked out loads of times, like in rugby and fighting and whatever. And it's, yeah. this was a different feel. Like I could feel... I could I could speak like I could speak now, but I couldn't feel anything from my neck down. Right. And it was only it was only seconds, ten seconds, twenty seconds, whatever. But it felt like so long. Yeah, it's long like, enough. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I remember like, I walked off the field and I had a real bad burning down my back and my uh, in my arms and stuff. And even still, I was going to see specialists in London who um, who does all the rugby union lads about trying to find a solution to to play again. And they were on about putting another cage in my neck above it. So I basically just have like a fully caged neck with no movement and, and all this. And 
I remember Chris Brooks, the uh, the doctor for Wigan in England, he rang me and he just basically just give it to me and he said, like, Tuss, you never, ever play again. Make sure you promise me now that you'll never, ever play again. He was like, you are so lucky not to be in a wheelchair, all this. So it's it's one of them, like, it, it turns out now, I found out after all these years that I've got this hereditary condition called spinal stenosis, which is like a narrowing of the spinal canal. So if you imagine... If you imagine you, you've got like a, a cylinder tube as your, your spinal column, and yeah. your spinal cord in that is is in the middle with movement around it, loads of space around it. My tube is really tight around the your spinal cord, so right. any any knock would would uh, would jam that. So he said that you you've, you're very lucky. You should never have played rugby or anything like that. So it's, yeah. it, it was one of them. Like when you hear someone of his stature tell you that, he's like. You listen, mate, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So did, did anyone help out or reach out to you and, and the people still keep in touch now, mate? Well, the, one of the one of the well, loads of loads of people are good. But what you what you find is, and I remember I think it was Mick Farrell, he he's a psychologist that we've been saying, like yeah. you need to make sure that you you leverage the support now whilst you can because it'll disappear. Um, and that it couldn't be any true of that. And what happens is everybody's your best mate for a yeah. certain period of time. They try to look after you, but obviously life moves on. They're not going to babysit you forever. No. Um, and people just get on with their lives and that. So then you know, like people people move on. But Phil Phil Clark was really good. Um, he's he suffered something similar playing over in Australia. Broke his neck, similar age. Um. And then he, he had to suddenly retire. So he, he had like a similar story. He was really good with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I ended up, I ended up coaching Hull straight away after. So I announced my retirement to the lads at Hull. Yeah. 26, stood up in the meeting room, told them, crying, burst out crying. I was, couldn't control myself. And then Hull had offered me a job coaching. I went straight onto onto the field coaching, trying to tell Gazellis and Mark Minicello how to run. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no better line runner than you on a lead, mate. Exactly. <laughs> Best dummy runner. <laughs> hey, at least you were on the pits of beer, dummy runner, mate. <laughs> right. So, so what's life like for you now, then, mate? Do you know what? I was on the phone to Sam Tompkins yesterday and I, we, we ended up chatting and I said, like, I can't even remember playing rugby now. It's been that long. It's, I don't know what to do now. It's probably moved on that much. But So I, I, were, I, did, a, I did a spell coaching six months or so and then I came back and then I worked for my uh, father-in-law uh, for about six months. And then I spoke earlier about my having a good relationship with my agent. Um, yeah. He, um, he's got a software business. So he said, "I'll come and work for me, but you've got to go. You've got to go and study. That's that's part of the deal." So I left school with three GCSEs. I hadn't studied for ten years, and then uh, I had to work full time and study full time. Um, and it was it was really tough, like trying to get your mind back into education when you're not an academic anyway. Yeah, and, uh, it it was it was a challenge, but. I'm so thankful to him for allowing me that opportunity because I I, I would have had no idea what I was doing. Um, but to be fair, I've so what was that? I was I did I did six years with him in his previous company, and I've just he's just set up a new company, and I'm, I'm back with him now. So like, um, 
you know, I'm obviously doing a decent job for him, so it's, uh, I'm thankful for him, but I'm trying yeah. to repay him. You've been listening to Trot the Eggin. Thanks to our sponsors, Bardell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Eggin and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.